When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new week, new edition of our weekly sports podcast here on KPRC2+. Click to Houston.com. We simply call it Houston Sports Weekly. Great to have everybody with us. I'm KPRC2 Sports Director Randy McAvoy. This first segment, we're going to talk a lot of Texans. Training camp, uh, as you know, officially opened for business. It began on Wednesday with head coach D'Amico Ryans uh, sending the troops uh, through their first workout. Uh, as we're coming to you this morning, when this uh, uh, comes to you, uh, it'll be day three of Texans training camp. So uh, we're inching into it. Long way to go until the start to the uh, regular se- or preseason, and that'll lead to the regular season, the opener in Baltimore against the Ravens. Preseason game here in about two weeks. They will head to New England to take on uh, the Patriots. But first few days, it's been fun to watch football back on the field there at the Methodist Training Center. Uh, all eyes, of course, on the quarterbacks. We know that. C.J. Stroud, Davis Mills. It's going to be a matter of time. Just will it happen during the preseason or will it go into the regular season opener before they decide who their starting quarterback is? Uh, these first few days, uh, Mills and uh, C.J. Stroud are sharing first-team reps back and forth pretty evenly. Uh, day one, C.J. Stroud was eh, hit and miss, not, not real sharp. Davis Mills was actually pretty good on day one. Day two, C.J. Stroud looked really good on Thursday. Davis Mills made, Mills made some good throws, but he also forced some throws as well, especially in 11-on-11 uh, drills as well. But it's early in camp. Long way to go. Eventually, C.J. Stroud will be the guy. It's just a matter of when they will pull the trigger and uh, actually make that uh, decision public. Will it be during the camp, preseason, or perhaps uh, we go to Baltimore? And uh, D'Amico Ryan's had a funny comment when asked about that. He was asked four times, by the way, about his quarterbacks Thursday during his new, uh, media session. Asked a couple of times as well on uh, Wednesday and I mean, I kind of get it. Forwards have to ask, I guess, but we all know, those of us that have covered the team know there's not going to be a decision. He's not going to tell us anything different than what he told us during OTAs. So you got to give it at least a week or so, get a handful of workouts before I think it's more appropriate to ask. But asking every every day is kind of a beatdown, at least in my opinion. But, hey, we're going to jump to it. we got some interviews mainly in this segment. We're going to start – uh, with D'Amico Ryan, some expanded uh, D'Amico Ryan. So listen up and check that out right now. This is D'Amico, the best of D'Amico from day one and a little bit from day two out at the Methodist Training Center. First day is special. It's kind of like I remember my first day of, of playing here in uh, 2006, coming across that bridge. And just remember the some nervousness about that first day, but also excitement. And it's the same feeling that I had when I walked across that bridge in 2006. It was the same feeling today, like that little nervousness about how it's going to go, but also just excited, excited about the group of men that I get to work with 
and it's it's all been positive. Very good first day, good start for us, and you know, all we're asking our guys is continue to build off of what they've done today. Yeah, having having Metsy out was, you know, it was it was it was awesome to see. Right? You see a guy who's been through so much, and just a credit to him and the work that he's put in while everyone else was away or people maybe forgot about him is just a credit to his work ethic and how relentless he's been in this process. You know, while no cameras are on him, he's been putting in the work and it's encouraging to see. And I'm, just, I'm happy to have him out and I'm just honored to be his coach. When you have two really high draft picks like Stroud and Anderson, how do you temper expectations for what they can, they'll be able to do as rookies? For, for all of our rookies, the biggest thing for them is to just control what they can control. And it's, the outside noise, the outside expectations, none of that really matters to us and what we're doing. Right, the only thing that matters is are they being accountable to their teammates and are they improving on a day-to-day basis? What are you seeing from those guys, specifically CJ Stroud in terms of one of the things that you guys are asking and what y'all are expecting? Yeah. How right, CJ is doing fine. Yeah, he's progressing you know, as he should. Will is doing fine as well. Both guys, they're progressing, but both guys also have a lot of work to do. All right, this is the first day. They've only had, you know, the spring practices, but now first day of training camp, we want to see that improvement each and every day. There's nothing to be determined now of who's rising to the top. Like, all of those things will take care of themselves. We have a month of, of work, right, really good work against each other. Then we get the opportunity to go and play some preseason games to see who will be, you know, those guys who will go out and line up for us versus Baltimore. They say football games are one of the trenches. How much does the investment in the offensive line go with that philosophy? Yeah, the line is, is extremely important to me. Like, that's how you win football games. Your defensive and offensive line, they have to be dominant. They have to dominate the line of scrimmage. We have to be able to stop the run. Defensively, we have to be able to run the ball offensively. So it all starts with the men that you have. And our offensive line, you know, they've been, they've been working. Right? And it's uh, credit to those guys. They're hard workers. Right? They come in every day, put it in the work. They're detailed in their craft. So it's an exciting group to work with, and we'll see as they continue to build and progress, we'll see you know, how good we can be there. What I look at every day you know, for our team and to see you know, where we're going, it's, I tell our guy, we're competing with ourselves. Right? We're not competing with someone else. You're not competing with the man next to you. You're competing with yourself. And if you show small incremental improvements, marginal gains, like over time, that consistently shows to, as a group, if everyone is doing that, then our group will continue to get better. But it's all about just gaining that 1% each and every day. I had a great opportunity over the summer to uh, have a one-on-one with our rookie. Our entire rookie group spent about an hour and a half to two hours with our rookies and allowing them to just ask questions. And I was able to answer you know, any thoughts or questions, concerns they had. And it was a, a very special moment, one I'll never forget, just to have that intimate conversation with those guys so I could share my experiences as a player you know, they ask why I coach, and the main reason you know, I wanted to implore to them is I do this because I care about them and want them to be as successful uh, as they can be as young men. If it's football, it's football. We're going to try to work our, our tails off to be the best we can be there. But it's also about you know, what I share to them, what's important to me, is for them to be great husbands, great fathers, great leaders in the community. Expectations are how, 
how much better can we get each and every day? Expectations, it'll take care of themselves, right? And while our team is still coming together, we're still trying to identify who our team will be, right? There's a lot of competition that has to go on, and we'll see where we are. Expectations, it really doesn't matter. It's just about every guy going out and being their best and collectively as a group will be exactly where we should be. Yeah, going around town here in Houston, I mean, there's excitement in the city, right? And I, I sense that excitement. I feel it from our fans. Anytime I'm able to interact with our fans, which is very important to me to be able to interact with the fans because, you know, they're the people who drive and promote our game. So I'm thankful for our so the support of our fans here in Houston. They're fired up. Every time I see someone, they, you know, they're excited. They're encouraging to me, and they – lift me up, right, And because I see, like, there's hope in the city, and I just want to be able to continue to spurn that hope and drive it along, and when we play games, you know, in NRG, want to see that same support from our fans, have it packed out, because it means a lot to us. All right, good conversation there from uh, Texans head coach D'Amico Ryans answering all kinds of questions for those of us in the media, and uh, I love the way he's carrying himself. I love the energy I'm seeing at practice, not only from D'Amico, I mean, he's all over the fields, spending a lot of times, obviously, with the defense. But uh, he's checking out everything. He's moving around. He looks like a head coach out there, and that's really cool to see. And he's got a great staff in place as well. All right, uh, hey, on Wednesday, uh, day one, and I do it every year. I've covered him since he arrived. Uh, the longest tenured Texan here is long snapper John Weeks. How about the job he's done? A pro bowler, went undrafted. Back in 08, out of Baylor, out of football for a couple of years, finally got his chance in 2010 and stuck with the Texans, and he hasn't left. 14 years now in the league for John Weeks. He's also played in 210 consecutive games. What a run. I had a conversation with the longtime long snapper for the Texans. All right, here at Texas Training Camp, day one in the books. And hey, opening day. I was like, who are we going to talk to? I said, we got to talk to the longest tenured Texan. That would be this guy right here, John Weeks, long snapper and extraordinaire, I might add. 14 years with this team. You've started 210 straight games. I mean, you're not you're not even old, are you? Oh, I guess it depends on who you talk to. But I like to think I'm still kind of young and yeah. and still doing the job at a high level. And, uh, you know, just a great, great first day out here. Um, beautiful weather right now. And the guys practice their tails off and excited to see where everything goes from here. I want to ask you, this camp is starting with D'Amico, obviously. Yeah. You have the unique experience of playing with D'Amico yeah. here as well. Yeah. What's that been like being out here watching him in the head coaching role now? Yeah, it's, it's been fantastic and I think the best part about it has been that it's not any different than when he was the captain on the defense here. You know, he's the exact same guy that I remember watching him lead our defense in those uh, two years I was here with him and uh, it's been a privilege to, to play under him and to be coached under him and to be out here and, and representing the team and him and the organization. Did you sense back during the when he was playing here that maybe if he chose to go the coaching route that, hey, man, this guy would be a good head coach one day? Yeah, absolutely. I think we all did. You know, I think yeah. there's just those certain people that are special and you can just kind of tell from Jump Street that, you know, like, hey, if they ever wanted to dip their toe in the water here in the coaching pool, like, they, they'd be special. And, and D'Amico was always one of them. And, 
Um, I got nothing but amazing things to say about Cap as the person, as the coach, as the players. So, again, fortunate to be here, um, grateful to be here, and excited to uh, get going. Want to get it back on you. Okay. 210 straight starts. I mean, that's an unbelievable run in this league. How have you managed that to, to be out there week in and week out and, and contribute here? Yeah, it's. Um, you know, it's what I talk to when I talk to the young guys, but it's it's finding those vets. And for me, it was guys like D'Amico and Cushing and Connor Barwin and Andre Johnson. And, you know, I could go down the list. We had so many great guys, but uh, just kind of learning how they did it, right? Like how these guys that played so long at such high levels took care of their bodies and didn't. And you kind of get, you know, you kind of pick from everybody, kind of see what works for you and what doesn't. And um, I think that's been a key to my longevity is I've been able to see the best of the best and their routines and how they handle themselves off the field, you know, when it comes to the physical part and the mental and nutrition and all that kind of stuff and just kind of apply it to myself mm-hmm. and the position and just go from there and then just try to be the best best guy out there every day. How would you compare your role at your position to another sport? Is it kind of like a like a closer in baseball that's coming in the ninth uh-huh. inning and you got to do every you got to make every uh, snap know. work. Yeah, I don't know about that, you know. I know <laughs> my my guys uh, uh, 15 and 11 got a lot of pressure on them and yeah. my job is to make their job as easy as possible and you know, that's what I pride myself on doing. And, you know, I know seven's got a, or seven, I'm sorry, 15's got a, uh, it's got some high pressure situations sometimes. And, and my job is for him to know that he knows exactly where the ball's going to be and he can put his foot on the ball and give us the best kick to go win us the game, right? Yeah. So that's my job. That's how I look at it is to put those guys in the best position as well as the guys on the punt team. And then, you know, mentor and help anybody else I can on any other aspect of special teams. All right, lastly, uh, when we're watching practice, you got, multiple fields out here the guys sometimes you're you yeah. and Kaimi are over here doing your thing is it right. a lonely life sometimes at camp or yeah. you get used to it? you're okay with it no it's it's you know the way that the <laughs> the practice schedules are set up there's never any downtime right so we're always getting loose getting ready for periods and yeah. special teams and then when we are done we get a chance to go watch these guys you know the best athletes in the world play at the highest level so it, it's fun it's been a blast again i'm privileged to be here excited to be back and ready to get this thing going in the right direction Listen, congratulations 14th year Thanks, 210 straight it. starts for this guy uh john weeks big season ahead right, man brother, appreciate, appreciate the time you. yeah absolutely thanks guys okay. all right always good to catch up with john weeks what a run he has had here in houston and he is looking forward to starting the 2023 season again number 14 in houston uh, for John Weeks, and the best is yet to come. All right, we're going to take a break here on Houston Sports Weekly. When we come back, Ari Alexander is going to hop on and talk some Astros as well. Hey, mate, they got a big weekend series with the Rays, big road trip ahead over the next few weeks. You got the trade deadline coming up. Talking some Astros straight ahead on Houston Sports Weekly. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Houston Sports Weekly. I'm Ari Alexander. We uh, got in with the Texans here. Training camp week. Very exciting stuff going on with D'Amico Ryans and that bunch. There's Buzz. There's C.J. Stroud. There's Will Anderson. Jalen Petrie. A lot of these guys uh, definitely showing a little bit more excitement than the Texans have, obviously, in uh, the past few years. However, in this section, we're going to talk about the Houston Astros. It is trade deadline week. Next time... You watch, listen to one of these podcasts. The trade deadline will be over. It is 6 p.m. Eastern, August 1st, which is next Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday. Uh, it's getting close. And this weekend, uh, I'm hearing from some of the league sources I'm talking to, it's going to start heating up a little bit. It's been very, very slow. That Lucas Giolito deal on Wednesday kind of start to get it going. Shohei Otani is going nowhere. Uh, I think that's going to start getting some stuff going. So, 
Uh, I'll talk a little bit about what I'm hearing at the deadline. Some of it will not be Astros related. It'll be just kind of general, you know, what I'm hearing at the deadline. And then some of the other stuff will be uh, about potentially what the Astros are going to do and what their roster sets up like. So first, let's get into what I'm hearing around the league. We're going to start out with, let me uh, go to my notes here um, and see what we got. First of all, Astros related, uh, catcher Corey Lee has been a trade target of some teams going back all the way to last year's deadline. Obviously, the, the Astros didn't move him. They didn't trade him this uh, offseason. Uh, uh, so I've been told by league sources here that the Florida, the Miami Marlins, sorry, the Florida, former Florida Marlins, Miami Marlins, they're looking for a controllable catcher. They have a positive evaluation of Corey Lee. Whether or not those things connect obviously remains to be seen. But what we know, the type of player he is, a catcher with a lot of years left on his contract, is something they want. The evaluation they have of him, a good one. We'll see what happens. Uh, the problem is, on the Astros' side, with a, a trade with the Marlins, one, they're trying to win. So it's it's got to be a good-on-good good deal, right? It's something the Marlins need, which is a controllable catcher. We'll go back to the Astros, something the Astros need. Some of the players that the Astros need is starting pitching, really, or relievers. And that might have to, if you're trying to work a trade with those teams, Jorge Soler is a name that, is popping up at the Astros. I cannot independently confirm that the Astros are in on Jorge Soler, but it obviously makes sense. However, Dana Brown's been very adamant that they're looking for a left-handed power bat. Soler is a right-handed power bat, but he's good. It makes sense. The Marlins are trying to win. The structure of his contract is one where he can cut it off and go for a new, bigger deal in the season he's having, probably something that's going to end up happening. So he's essentially a rental. The Marlins are probably going to lose him at the end of the year. Uh, unless he just totally tanks, which, you know, he's had some bad years, he's had some bad months, but for the most part, he's had a great year. He's probably reset his value. He's going to, I assume, get a better contract this offseason, opt out, kind of where everything's trending with Jorge Soler. He is a fit on the Astros, but he's also a fit on the Marlins right now, the team that he plays for, who are winning, who have a legitimate shot at a wild card and making the playoffs and have some young pitching. The Marlins also need veteran pitching to eat innings. And that sound like the Astros? They got a guy that just got back from injury, Johnny Cueto. Been in the league a long time. Eats innings. Johnny Cueto would fit great on the Astros. Well, according to league sources close to Johnny Cueto, the Astros haven't called on him, and the Marlins are probably not trading him. So a guy that makes sense for the Astros is not a guy that the Marlins want to get rid of in Cueto. A uh, guy that makes sense for the Astros and Jorge Soler, if they do get rid of him, it's going to take a lot more than Corey Lee. Soler is a big-time rental, and we saw the price of some of these prospects uh, or some of the trades here with the Giolito and uh, Ronaldo Lopez trade. Lucas Giolito is a good starter, but he's a rental. Ronaldo Lopez is a very solid setup-type reliever. He's a rental, so you're getting two months of these guys. So the price should go down a little bit versus the control. Well, the Angels sent back per MLB Pipeline their number two and three prospect. One of those two guys is a top hundred. It, it the mate deal makes sense for the Angels. They're going for it. He the big time prospect they sent Edgar Cuero is a catcher. They have another catcher Logan Ohapi who is a better player, ranked higher, been in the big leagues already. Is probably their catcher of the future. So like they have what to trade. They have a catcher they can move. Um, the Astros have some catchers, so Corey Lee of course makes sense if they want to move him. But it's going to take more. 
I don't think they want to. They've said that they do not want to trade their top prospects for rentals. They don't want to get rid of Drew Gilbert. They don't want to get rid of top pitching prospect Spencer Argetti. It's just going to be tough to compete with some of. There's so many buyers. It's a seller's market of what they have. And so I think. Is there a deal possible with the Marlins? Maybe. Are there other teams that will probably be able to give the Marlins a better package? Yes. But what we know so far, this is what the Marlins want. This is a player on the Astros they've identified that they think is a good player. And we'll see what happens from there. Otherwise, around the league, the Padres, they're bad this year. Shocking. The Mets are bad this year. As a Mets fan, I'm frustrated with that. Shocking. Again, biggest payroll in history. And, and the Padres and the Mets are paying a lot of money for all these players. They have all these big-name guys, and they're not winning. And so what's the smart thing to do? Sell. So basically the whole, all of baseball industry believes Josh Hader's getting traded. Closer Josh Hader, one of the best in baseball, is getting traded somewhere. That the Padres are going to want something back. There's no reason to have a star closer when your team is not going to make the playoffs and losing and bad this year, which again is inexplicable because they have Fernando Tatis and Juan Soto and like all these guys that play good defense and they're just somehow and all these big name pitchers and Musgrove and Snell and Snell is potentially moving and, and they're just not good. And again, same with the Mets like Scherzer and Verlander and, you know, Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso. And, and, uh, I'm hearing that. There's a market for Adam Adovino, the the reliever going. There's obviously a market for David Robertson and those these big name teams that these big salaries they're going to be selling. And so haters a guy looking to move. Uh, the White Sox open for business as you saw. They already traded Lucas Giolito and they traded um, Ronaldo Lopez. Lance Lynn has had a bad year, but again he eats innings and good teams need that. Good teams need to keep their their young arms fresh. So Giolito gone. Dylan Cease, probably staying. Lance Lynn, probably going. Uh, Lynn is a guy, uh, I've been told by league sources, they're willing to eat some of his contract to get a better return to move him. Um, trying to think what else we got. Oh, there's a double-A uh, Yankees prospect, Edgar Barclay. The Yankees are talking exploratory talks with uh, the Cubs, Cardinals, Pirates. Those three teams, all three of them, have identified that prospect, Edgar Barclay, as a player that they think is good. So I would expect if the Yankees make a deal with one of those NL Central teams that Edgar Barclay, the left-handed double-A reliever with a 120 ERA, is part of that deal. So that is what I'm hearing around the league. So now let's talk it what the Astros have, what the Astros need, what could happen. I think they need four players in the trade deadline. One of those players is not necessarily my opinion on what I think they need. It's just what Dana Brown has said he wants and needs. A left-handed power bat. Okay? I think they need one more starter. I think they need two more relievers. So let's go through this. I have a, a spreadsheet, right? What they need. Left-handed hitter, starting pitcher, uh, two relievers, right? There just aren't a lot of guys that are rentals left-handed hitter. And I'll run through the list. And you as Astros fans are not going to be that impressed with most of the list. Charlie Blackman. On the Rockies, uh, Cody Bellinger, great fit, but he's going to be expensive. So I feel like it's unlikely. That's not reporting. That's opinion. Corey Dickerson of the Nationals uh, will likely be traded. I think that they want to move him is what I'm hearing from league sources. Mike Moustakis of the Angels, uh, who is who just got already traded and from the Reds. And uh, I don't, like he's not 
they're not going to flip him again. So, and then there's a bunch of right-handed hitters. I'm reading through the list. Mark Canna, Jorge Soler, Randall Gritchick, Tommy Pham, CJ Crone, Garrett Cooper, uh, Jerkson Profar, Heimer Candelario. And there's some news by the big national guys on Candelario. And it seems like the Astros aren't necessarily in. Um, Seth Brown, multi-year commitment of the A's is a guy that I just have on the list that I think would be a fit. Might be kind of expensive. All these guys that have multi-year deals are going to be expensive. So realistically, you're looking at like Charlie Blackman and Corey Dickerson. And it's just not not that impressive. So I think on the left-handed hitter front, could the Astros get creative and get someone that I haven't listed or I haven't even thought of? Absolutely. And uh, make a deal work or make a three-team deal work? Yeah. But based on the guys that are kind of within the industry believed to be guys that could move, it's not that big of a list. Uh, starting pitchers. So I have a big list here, but the guy name I'm focusing on is Michael Lorenzen of the Tigers, right? So uh, he's been really good. He was an all-star this year. Uh, he's just not going to be as expensive as the, and I have the list here, that Giolito was very expensive, as you saw, already got traded. Marcus Stroman is going to be expensive. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be expensive. You could get Carlos Carrasco. I'm not a huge fan of. Again, I'm Mets fan. I see him a lot. I don't think he helps you more than like Lorenzen could. Rich Hill doesn't do a whole lot for me. Brad Keller's having a bad year. Jack Flaherty doesn't strike guys out, right? So of the starting pitchers, I really only like Lorenzen. Feels like Dylan Cease isn't moving. Shane Bieber isn't moving. And that's kind of it for starters. And then relievers, this is where you can kind of get creative. Uh, the Mets actually fit as a trade partner with the Astros here. Uh, David Robertson and and potentially, from what I'm hearing, Adam Adovino are guys that could move. They're both really good. The Mets bullpen would have been awesome this year if Edwin Diaz wasn't hurt. But Robertson has stepped up to the closer role. He's been great. He got traded at the deadline last year and was pitched against the Astros in the World Series for the Phillies. So he's a name to keep an eye on. Adam Adovino has been good for the Mets. Name to keep an eye on. The Mets are selling. Likely selling. Probably selling. Um... Trevor May of the A's is on a one-year deal. Didn't do a whole lot for me. Otherwise, the one one name that I like, so two names I like, we'll do this. I love Jordan Hicks. He's from here. He is from Houston. It makes a lot of sense. The Cardinals are working on an extension with Hicks. If that doesn't go through, he's getting traded. League sources tell me. Wouldn't it be cool to get the hometown kid from Sugarland and the Klein Oak High School come back to the Astros? That'd be great. And then another name I like, and it would be part of the Lorenzen deal, just kind of something I've cooked up, is a reliever named Jose Cisnero, ex-Astro. Having a good year, career's been very up and down. He's just not going to be very expensive. So I think if you go get three pitchers, one starter, two relievers, Hicks isn't going to be that cheap. Michael Lorenzen... I think it's workable, but not super cheap. Cisnero is going to be cheap. So that's where you get good, you know, high leverage reliever, throws 104, work with him, tweak him. Solid starter, was an all-star this year, cheap reliever, and then see what they can do, left-handed hitters. So we'll see what the Astros do. Trade deadline is going to be awesome. We'll talk about what happened next week as we're talking about. This is the fun stuff. The leading up to it is the fun stuff. What happened is kind of just what happened. So that's what we got going on in the Astros. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching uh, Houston Sports Weekly on KPRC 2 Plus and click to Houston.com.